Turn with me over to the book of First Chronicles. First Chronicles. Today we're going to talk about <clears throat> a mama who gets overlooked in Scripture. First Chronicles, chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 9 through 10. First Chronicles, chapter 4, verses 9 through 10. The title of the message is From Hard to Honorable. From Hard to Honorable. It says, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother named him Jabez, saying, Because I bore him with pain. Now, verse 10, Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed, and enlarge my border, and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm, that it may not pain me. And God granted him what he requested. Lord, help us as we study your word today. Three things I'd like to talk to you regarding this passage. Um, one, birthing nine months. Two, bearing and birthing is mu much longer than we desire. And then bearing to maturity. And in those three topics, we talk about the general discomfort and process through which a woman needs to go in order to produce a child. Um, the nine months that you have to bear, and then the process afterwards that includes the birthing, where you were in the birthing center in the maternity ward, but every, every mama knows it doesn't stop there. You are still birthing when you get home. Not physically. Now it's physically, mentally, it's spiritually, it's so many other ways. You're birthing this child into something. And then when they get older, 25, 26. Mom's job still isn't done. Oh, the shaping may not be as active as it was, but the prayer and the attention given to the child's well-being, that never stops. You never stop being a parent. Your role changes, but you never stop being a parent. So we're going to talk about those three phases in the context of Jabez. Now, Jabez was an unusual human being. He's in the long line of a genealogical record that usually gets very boring as you read it. First Chronicles 1, 2, 3, and 4. By the time you get to 4, you're thinking, is this really important for me? Because all it is is, and he begets so-and-so, and he died. And he was born, and he begets so-and-so, and he died. And he begets so-and-so, and he died. And he begets so-and-so, and then he died. And it goes on and on. And you realize it's holy writ. You never want to be disrespectful to Scripture, but your mind is just running with you thinking, really, God, can I just skip to the chase? Can I get to, like, chapter 7 and 8, where action begins to happen and events and history occurs and so I can learn some stuff? Oh, wait a minute. This is the Old Testament version of the Lamb's Book of Life. The book in which your name is written if you love Jesus. The one that guarantees that you've got an inheritance beyond this world. Not just in this world, but beyond this world. You've got an inheritance here, and that we all get to come back here at some point. But you've got an inheritance beyond this world for which Jesus paid. And so your name is written. And contrary to popular or cultural belief, Peter's not going to be reading your name at the pearly gates. It's not Peter. I'm not quite sure who, but probably Jesus. But whoever does, you want it in there. 
And you surely don't want somebody to say, is this really important for me to listen to? You don't want anybody to skip over your name because, wow, somebody paid for that name to be in there. This was the Old Testament version of people who now had an inheritance in the promised land and they could verify it by going back through their history all the way to Abraham. So the genealogy was really important to them that their name was in there. But then if you skip over it because you think, well, you know, that's, that's the Ancestry.com for the Hebrews. It's not for me. If you skip over it, you'll miss something like this, Jabez. Somebody who lived and died, but, but his life required more ink in the middle. How about yours? Is there anything about your life that's going to be so exemplary and so above the standard of mediocrity that it's going to require more ink to record it? Everybody's going to live at a certain level. Everybody's going to live. Everybody's going to die. Generally speaking, people have kids in the middle. And there's nothing, nothing insignificant about any of that. And it, it deserves to be mentioned. But in the norm, every once in a while, somebody becomes super norm. They enter into a realm that requires everybody to say, oh, I didn't know somebody could live like that. That was possible. And I'm convinced that that doesn't come without the help of a mama. Jabez did some things here. It says he was more honorable than his brother. So he had some siblings. He had a standard by which everybody thought this was normal living. But he looked at the normal living and said, mm, that's not for me. I want to do something different. But how did he get there? It says, and his mother named him Jabez because I bore him, it says. She said, in pain. Named him Jabez because I bore him in pain. Now, there's no question that there is great discomfort, I have been told. When a woman has to carry a child for nine months. And I have been privileged to be a part of that process for six. We adopted one, we had six. We, had, we adopted one, she had six. <laughs> and for my bride, who is present company accepted, the best woman since Eve, best. Nobody like my woman, nobody, nobody. She was sick all nine months. There wasn't no morning sickness for three. All nine months, and I have a feeling most of that sickness was because of me. She was just sick of me. She couldn't stand the way I smelled. She couldn't stand the way I talked. My voice just made her ears. Everything about me for nine months just, just was bad. I tried to stay away, but I couldn't. I lived with her. I, I, all nine months, and if she had it her way, she'd still be pregnant. She, she wanted to fulfill the purpose, which she thought was a part of her being, the purpose of her being and having children as long as she possibly could. And she did until her body just gave out. She can't have any more kids. Just, just quit. Amazing woman. On top of that, she homeschooled all our kids. All of them are smart. They went to college. They got degrees. I mean, she did a fabulous job and all of that while she was trying to be a pastor's wife and do women's ministry and, and help out with the Redskins' wives as I'm chaplain and 
I don't know who did the casting for Wonder Woman, but they missed it. They missed it. They missed it. Kids don't turn out like they do without a good mama. Now, it's possible for a kid to turn out in spite of mama. So God does things, God does things in, in spite of the difficulty through which kids have to be birthed, meaning that sometimes our parents aren't what they should be, but God is always what he should be, Amen. and he cares for us and takes up the slack where they miss it. So I beg you, during this sermon, I, I want you to take away the idea of trying to always put the blame on mom and dad for your issues. Your issues are now yours. They're all yours, and you've got to go to God every day and say, Lord, help me fix me. Amen. And at the same time, give thanks to mom and dad because they are children of Adam and Eve just like you. And your children will be saying the same stuff about you <laughs> that you say about your parents. There is nothing perfect on this side that you are still breathing ought to be some kind of prompt for you to give commendation to your parents regardless of how messed up they may have been. Amen, Pastor. That was a really good point. And by the way, you don't know how much you can fix them. You don't know how much you can fix them by just saying thank you. Whenever I meet with parents about their children or their life, I always start with, I want you to know, you're great parents. You're really good. You may not have all the skills necessary. You might still need to do some growing, all of that good. But I want you to know, you're amazing. But no matter how often I say it, it doesn't hold a candle to when the child says it. And this is, if I had ten commandments to, to make for humanity, this is how deficient with respect to my spirituality I am. I, I don't know that I would have made, number five, honor your mother and father. If I had ten things to say to humanity, I don't know that I would have made that a big one. I don't think, I, somewhere down like 85 maybe. But I really, the big 10 you put in there, honor mom and dad? I mean, folks are treating one another really bad. Can't you give some more prohibitions in there about what they shouldn't do? You want that to be important? Absolutely. Why? Because the one question parents have every day, even though they may have done well, they did the best they could, the one question they have every day is, how much did I mess them up? What did I do that is going to cause them problems? I wish I hadn't done that. I wish, I wish I hadn't said that. I shouldn't have responded like that. Do I need to pay for their counseling now? <laughs> I, they needed better. They needed, they deserved better. Rolls around in every parent's brain. But when the child comes back, he says, I want you to know, I honor you. Thank you. All those questions don't get answered, but they don't matter as much. And somehow the soul gets healed in the mom and dad from what this, the son and daughter do. This is why it's important to not just call mama and call daddy on Mother and Father's Day, but to say something of substance that heals them. And what happens is this. Somehow or another, you get healed. 
God put that in there as a fifth because he wanted the family whole. And he knew this. If child has issue with dad, it's going to perpetuate to their child. And generationally, everybody's going to be messed up until somebody overlooks all the flaws of their previous to say, it doesn't matter what happened back then. I'm glad I'm breathing. I'm glad I got an opportunity to serve God. And although I'm in pain, you don't say, don't say this part. Don't say this part. You just say the other. I'm glad I'm breathing. I thank you. You're amazing. You gave me an opportunity. I'll always be grateful. This part, you say to God, even though I'm in pain, even though I wished it was different, Lord, I believe you are my healer, and I present myself to you every day. And then you get healed because you're reconciled with your parents, you're reconciled with God, and your children don't know anything about what you went through with respect to the experience that they now have to experience because you're reliving it. Number five is amazing. Kids don't turn out well. Standard operating procedure, unless they got a really good mama. It happens every once in a while, but it's a rare thing when they do. And here we've got Jabez. And it says that mama bore him in pain. Now, I don't know a mama that, that doesn't bear a, a child for nine months with, with a great degree of discomfort. Your body changes. You, 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 you feel things you didn't feel before. You, you, you're not feeling as well as you would normally feel. You can't do what you would normally do. I mean, discomfort is the order of the day for about nine months. And, 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 and the, the pain of delivery before they had anesthesia, like, wow. I mean, it makes every man excited. He's not you. <laughs> every man just thinking, oh, God. That's coming out of you. I don't know how. I don't know how. And so pain is the order of the day. And it's normal. But this pain was so great. This child put this mama through such difficulty. Whether it be through the birth itself. Whether it be through the nine months. Or whether it be for the next 18 years afterwards. You know that child. <laughs> that one that just. You just. The pain never stopped from the time they came out of the womb. They were making your life miserable. You loved them with all your heart, but it was hard. It was hard. I don't know what she's talking about, but it was so difficult that she said, I'm going to name you after this moment. We don't have anybody in scripture named pain except this dude. That's how bad it was for Jabez's mama. That's how bad it was. But she had insight. She had insight. And that the word for pain in the Hebrew is atzeb. Phonetically for us, the transliteration is O-T-S-E-B, atzeb. But she named him Jabez, which is Yabetz. Yabetz which is kind of the phonetic reversal. And it's almost as if mama said, you have really been a pain to me. But I'm not going to let you be defined by it. I had to bear you differently than I bore every other child. It was more hard on me and hard on you 
Life has not been easy, but I want you to know this pain does not define you. And I want you to know, I'm going to let you remember this, but I'm changing your name and reversing it so that you will realize that your destiny is to reverse that which you want or should define you. Mamas, you can re-identify your children. The difficulty through which they have been does not have to be that which they live in. Are you listening to me? It may be hard, single mama, hard every day, trying to figure out how to hold down two, bringing home a little bit of money. Then the child wants to do stuff everybody else is doing, but you don't have the money to pay for their football. You don't have the money to pay for soccer. You don't have the money to pay for dance, drama. You don't have any of it. It's hard every day. And you go to bed weeping, wake up crying, thinking, I can't work any more than I'm working and make more than I'm making and doing what I'm doing. I don't know how to provide. I'm just trying to put food on the table. And they don't understand. They see your tears, but they're still mad. It is hard every day. And maybe they are not as compliant as they should be with respect to taking out the trash. And doing the things necessary just to be a good son or daughter. It might be hard in every way possible. But I want you to know, even though it might be a memory, it does not have to define them. That you can change their identity by saying, baby girl and boy, I want you to know it's difficult now. But it's not always going to be this way. God has better for you. God has better for you. It might be odd said right now, but y'all bets is your portion. You'll never forget this, but you're not going to live this way. Mamas, you have a great role in helping your children reverse whatever is negative in their life. Don't let them be defined by it. There's a destiny and a purpose out there that you can help refine. And although Jabez gets all the, the pub in this passage, Mama started the thing. Mama started it with giving him an idea that you don't have to live like this. And I'm convinced that because she had the insight to change his name phonetically, to be the reversal of Atseb and Yabetz, being Yabetz and not Atseb, that I think she also worked really well at helping him understand how he needed to reverse it, even though she had begun the process by re-identifying him. We can re-identify our children, but if they don't take the identity upon themselves, they could still live in the past. Let me tell you, boy, how you can grasp this which I am trying to give you as an inheritance, to live above that which you have been birthed in. Let me tell you how. Now, I don't have any record of what I'm about to say, but I'm convinced that any woman who had this insight to do that reversal thing probably had the insight to disciple her child to carry on and, to, and to, to increase, bring some real cultivation to the idea that she had produced through the reversal. So he began to pray this prayer, and I'm not quite sure where he got it from, except Mama taught it to him. I could be wrong, but I don't think so. And I don't think so because we don't even have daddy mentioned in the picture. We don't have his pastor mentioned in the picture. We don't have his priest mentioned in the picture. We don't have any prophet mentioned in the picture, just him and mama. And the only one who had insight into him being different than what he was birthed in was mama. And I'm not quite sure that Jabez just came up with this on his own because we don't see this particular prayer any other place in the Old Testament up to this point. So I'm kind of convinced that mama had something to do with this. Even if she did not know exactly what to tell him line by line, she gave him concepts. 
And even if she didn't do that, if I am way out outside the lines of what might be great exegetical practice in this passage, I'm letting you know, mamas, you can do what I think this mama did. Because you are called not just to provide an atmosphere whereby they can be raised well and, and, and a place of safety. You're called to be a trainer. You're called to be a discipler, not just a provider. But if, but if you haven't taken up the mantle to be discipled yourself, if you haven't taken up the disciplines to be a really good Christian on a regular basis, it's hard to give what you don't have. So we need to start just a little bit behind the starting line and say, okay, how do I need to shore up the areas in my life so I can give to my children what they need? You need to be discipled. You need to have somebody in your life who can be a springboard to your success, letting their success be that which adds to yours so you don't have to make the same mistakes and reinvent the wheel. You need somebody who can help you. Are they going to be perfect? Are they going to make mistakes in your life? No, they're not going to be perfect. And yes, they're going to make mistakes. But you will be bettered all the way. And when they make mistakes, you'll have a wonderful opportunity to practice forgiveness. See, my point is you grow all the way down the line. At every point, you become more spiritually engaged and become more mature because you have to employ the things necessary to do so. You need to be discipled. And if you can't find somebody to disciple you, that perfect person, that person who really gets you and understands you and is your soulmate. (laughs) By the way, they don't exist. Uh, I, I, I I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're one of those one in seven billion who really has a soulmate. But I think they only exist in Hollywood. The reason you didn't laugh as much is because I just burst your bubble and you're mad. <laughs> I've been married to my bride for 32 years. I mean, we're not soulmates. We're husband and wife. You know that soulmate thing where we finish one another's sentence? That's never happened with us. <laughs> never happened, Angie, ever. Ever. We're different as night and day. She thinks differently than me. She, she, she processes differently than me. She likes different stuff. She likes the crust of cakes. I like the middle of the cake. The cake gets eaten, though. <laughs> cake gets eaten. She likes certain music I don't like. I mean, there is nothing we agree on with respect to preference. Nothing. Nothing. We are, we are on the same page spiritually. We love God together, and we're able to raise our children right. We understand the standards. We agree, and we are equally yoked in that, but we are as different as night and day. We don't look at one another as soulmates. We look at one another as partners. Much more productive that way. I'm not waiting to find somebody I can click with. I'm not. I'm not. Because primarily, I don't think I'm that clickable. I'm the issue, not them. I got too, many, I got too much junk in my life. So I might, I, I might be dead before I find somebody I can click with. I got to find who's available. You were available. You were available. Hallelujah. 
And you know what happens when you find you're available? You learn to click. You learn to love. You learn to understand. There's nothing natural on the inside. Adam gets in the way too often. He gets in the way. So you have to learn these things so that relationships work. Ah, I'm just convinced that Jabez had a lot to do with this. Excuse me. I'm convinced that Jabez's mama had a lot to do with this. And that something on the inside of her allowed her the privilege of understanding what it meant to connect with God in a way that changed her boy's life. And she began the process of what discipleship would be in his life so that he could come out of that which pained him and her so much. And so Jabez prays his prayer. And this prayer is is so similar to that, that prayer that Jesus taught the disciples to pray. It's not the same language, but conceptually it sounds a lot alike. It, 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 is, it is everything about kingdom orientation and stewardship and responsibility and staying away from bad stuff. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. I mean, I don't know why that is the only prayer I still pray in Elizabethan English. It just sounds better, I think. These and thys. Well, that prayer, which we probably all teach our children, and I think it's, it's good. But if you're going to teach them, make sure you teach them well. Whatever Jabez's mama may have taught him with respect to prayer may not have been verbatim. It might have been conceptual because everything that Jesus was teaching the disciples was conceptual. It was not intended to be verbatim, say this. You fill in the blanks with the stuff. Our Father who art in heaven, oh God, there's nobody like you. You're dad, but, but you're not like us. You're the one from whom every father and dad came. You're the mold from which we all are supposed to, to fall and I'm, I'm, I, I recognize you as being different and I worship you and I honor you. Hallowed be your name. There's nobody like you. And then you begin worship. And it's not supposed to be prayed by rope. But if you pay, pray it by rope, I, I'm not mad at you. Better to say this than nothing. But remember, if you do say this or teach this to your children, there's some dangerous, da- there's a dangerous part in this prayer. And you've got to be careful that, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. What you're saying is, forgive me just like I forgive everybody else. Forgive me in the same way that I forgive everybody else. How's that working for you? You're asking God to treat you just like you treat other people who've offended you. And right now, on, on your mental video screen is appearing the person with whom you have greatest ought. And you're thinking, God, do you mean that one? Lord, do you mean that one there? That one there? I thought, you know, I, you know, I, I thought I'd forget. No, you just forgotten. You just let it go. You didn't really let them go. You just, you just said, I'm not going to think about it anymore. And every time their name comes up, something happens down on the inside. 
and you try to bottle it, you try to keep it down, but oh. I'm not talking about pain. I'm talking about anger. The pain needs to be dealt with by God independent of what you decide with respect to how you release them from any obligation to pay you back for whatever they've done. And the anger comes as a result of you trying to figure out, I'm trying, trying to restrain myself from getting back at you for what you did. Anger and pain, two different things. And if that anger is there, it's an indication that you haven't forgiven. And forgiveness is all about just making a decision to say you no longer have any responsibility to pay me back for anything that you did. I release you cognitively from your obligation to owe me anything. Whether it's kindness, whether it's an apology, whether it's a repentance, you owe me nothing. Whether you ever ask me for my forgiveness has nothing to do with whether I give it. Because forgiveness is all about seeing you healed. When you do that, you very well still might have some pain, but God deals with your pain later. You get in the presence of the Lord and you allow him to heal you, make you right, and give you perspective because your one thing that you are now holding or have held against the other party that you just forgave is in the light of being in the presence of God is about that big compared to how much he has had to forgive you. Over and over and over and over and over and over. And now, the, the, the idea of hypocrisy seems to flood your soul in his presence because you realize he has done this for me so many times. And I'm struggling with one. I'm struggling with one. I have received a tsunami of forgiveness. And I'm struggling with a lap tide of an issue. Just a little... <laughs> just one and you realize freely receive freely give you're going to teach your children to pray that prayer teach them what that prayer means because the last thing you want want God to do is answer it according to how you're praying it if you haven't forgiven you don't want him to do that that's a bad answer that's a bad yes bad yes but before that prayer, which is similarly composed to this one, this was amazing. Lord, bless me. Bless me. And, 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 and the word bless there is a word in the Hebrew, barach. And it, 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 it sounds similar to the word that, that is described in bowing the knee, which is barach in the Hebrew. So much so that the Hebrews, even though they are different words, kind of phonetically use them as homonyms to describe the same thing. Because anybody who bowed their knee to God on a regular basis was ultimately blessed. And anybody who was blessed must have, must have bowed the knee because that's the only way God would bless them. This is why the disciples, when the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and says, what do I need to do to get right? Jesus says some commandments. He said, I've done all those things. Jesus said, now, sell all you have and give it to the poor. And it says the rich young ruler went away sad. And Jesus said, how, how hard it is for a wealthy man to enter into the kingdom. Harder 
for a wealthy man to come in than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. The eye of the needle was a small gate in a city through which people could go at night because they had to board up the large gates, close them, so that they could protect the city. And it was a door about six feet, and the camel literally had to get on its knees and scoochy through. Hard for, you can get in, but it's hard. You like scoochy? <laughs> and the disciples said this to him. Well, who can be saved? The reason they said that is because they equated blessing with worship. That's how closely they were tied. He was so blessed he had to worship, but you say he can't get in? Well, who can be saved? When, when Jabez is praying this prayer, he's saying, Lord, I, I just don't want stuff. I want you. Help me to bow my knee in your presence so that I can be blessed by you and help me when I am blessed by you to such a degree that it weighs me down that it causes me to bow my knee. This is a good prayer. Now, I'm convinced that this was the spirit in which the prayer was prayed rather than the idea that Jabez is just saying, give me more, more stuff. Give me, give me, give me. Because the end of the thing says, and God answered his prayer. And he doesn't answer the give me, give me, give me prayers. So there must have been a spirit that was conveyed to God that said, that's what I'm looking for. Secondly, he says, enlarge my territory. <laughs> it seems like Jabez is just asking for more. But he's not asking for more for more. He's asking for more to steward God's stuff better. Give me more property. What does that mean? Well, I have pastors who come to me on a regular basis, wanting to know how they can grow a, a large church, how they can get their church big. And I said, well, I'll give you some ideas and you've got to do this. But I said, let me ask you, do you really want one? Do you want a big church? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I said, really? Do, do you really want a large church? Because, you know, when you have a large church, it's, it's a lot of people. And, and, and when, when, when you've got people, people come with problems. So when you're a small church, you have few problems. When you're a large church, you've got lots of problems. And, and, and everybody comes to church with baggage. Everybody does. Everybody. And, and, and you're hoping when they come, it's just a carry-on. <laughs> but I said, the people who come to my church, you hear this beeping sound when they walk through the door. <laughs> beep, beep. And then this semi rolls up and they open the door and say, we're here. And offloads all this stuff. And we as a congregation say, welcome. We're happy. We love. We're going to help you. But I'm, I want you to know that that's what it means to enlarge your territory. You're, be, you're becoming more responsible for more stuff. It, it is not a moment for you to feel the, the ego switch get flipped in your soul by becoming a pastor of a lot of folk. You need to deal with that now because this is not about your ambition. If you want to serve people, then you're in God's plan. Enlarge my territory. Help me to steward more stuff for your glory, God. I'm convinced Jabez's mama helped him in this. Because he prayed a really good prayer and none of his brothers did. Thirdly, that your hand might be with me. That's the evidence of God being in your life. Whenever the hand of God was on somebody, they, they recognized his hand being with them 
by the deeds that were done, not just by the words that were said. Words said yes. But generally, the hand of God was on a warrior when he was victorious in the Lord's battles. The hand of God was on a businessman when he was able to to increase his, his scope of business and give to the kingdom. Offer a lot of sacrifices to the Lord. The hand of God was on a monarch when he ruled his people well and represented God as, as a divine monarch himself. That your hand might be on me, that everybody would know it's not me. It's you. It's you. May you get the glory from my life. I don't want anybody to talk about me. I do, I do want them to talk about you. And then lastly, that you might keep me from harm, that it may not pain me. Now, doesn't that sound a whole lot like what Jesus said, deliver me from temptation in all forms of evil? Sounds a whole lot like it in there. Keep me from harm, that it may not pain me. And the last part of his prayer, let him, let all of us know that he remembered what it was like when he grew up. Lord, I remember what pain was. I know my name. And I want I want to make sure that I'm submitting to you my future. Keep me from stupid so that I don't wind up in a worse spot than when I started. Don't let me do dumb. Keep me out of sin because the consequences of it are hard to overcome. When I do stupid, everybody else hurts. When I do stupid, I try to get back to the original, and it's really difficult. Listen to me. Me as a pastor, if I do stupid, do you know you won't come to church no more? I lose my job. The voice that I have that has whatever degree of credibility I possess vanishes in a hurry. Like a mist, it just goes away. And although I can be forgiven by God in a second, I don't get restored to your trust for decades, if ever. Keep me from stupid that I don't wind up in more pain than when I started. And I want you to know there is nothing about my life that you see now that looks anything like what I grew up in. Nothing. My parents loved me dearly. They did the best they could and I honor them every day. Joe and Viola Ruth Fuller were courageous human beings, moved us from the inner city to the suburbs in 1966 of Kansas City. All white folks were the only specks in the, in the suburbs. Our house was egged. My life was a wreck. And, and my, my parents kept telling me, this was a better decision for you. Really? <laughs> All the kids knew my first name in grade school. They didn't use it. This is better and every day, they'd tell me, it'll be all right. You'll be all right. Just love them. You'll be all right. Courageous human being. Build some stuff on the inside of me that, that allows me to build what I do now. Multicultural, multi-ethnic. Those people, best parents I could ever have. But they made a lot of mistakes. A lot. And there were times when I was a teenager, I had to be the adult. And that's painful. And there's nothing about my life 
that would ever think that what I grew up in should put me here. And every day, I say to God, keep me from stupid so I don't have to go back to that pain. And by his grace, he's been able to do that. Now, I probably haven't lived as smart as I should have. In other words, I've blown it every now and again, nothing to keep me from this pulpit. But there's nothing about me that could ever be confused with perfection. So I'm still a sinner. But God answers the prayers of those who pray this simple. Keep me from harm that it may not pain me. And the Lord answered Jabez's prayers. Mama doesn't get enough pub in this, but I'm guaranteeing you, she discipled that boy to talk like this so that he could preserve that which she started in changing his identity. Saying there's going to be a time when you're not here with me and I'm not here with you. And I want you to know this is how you keep what I started. You don't have to live in this pain all the days of your life. It will not define you. You pray this prayer. You pray like this. Take these things which I'm telling you in general form. You make them a part of your life and your life will rise above the mediocrity of everything else. Mamas teach you babies like this. And you'll have warriors, champions, world changers. As I close, I was talking to a mama a little while ago, and she was considering having more children, but she said, I don't know. You know, this world's really bad. I don't know if I want to bring another child into this world. I said, I get it. I'm not telling you how many kids they have. I get it. But before you make a final decision, just think about this for a minute. The one you have next might just change everything that's wrong. Somebody's going to do it. Somebody's going to do it. Why not let it be your baby? They may not have big enough enough scope to change the entire world, but they can change their world. Do it right, Mama. And righteousness will live way beyond you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I'm asking for your grace and mercy and power all of us to live the way we should and bless the mamas today for their sacrifice, their heart, and their love.